Hello. We are so excited that you've decided to join us today via our podcast. There are other ways you can join. You can watch us live on Facebook and YouTube under Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries or on our website at www.mtdm.org. You can also join us in the sanctuary at 401 North Wright Street in Burgall, North Carolina. The zip code is 28425. If you'd like to give a donation, you can simply go to our website at mtdm.org and click on that donation button. God bless you. As I open my mouth, Father, I thank you that you have already filled it on today. I thank you, God, for your goodness, your mercy, and your loving kindness that you have bestowed upon us. I thank you, Father God, that you have already healed us, you have already delivered us, you have already prospered us. So I command healing in this place on today because you said by Jesus' stripes we were already healed. Healing is the children's bread. You sent your word and you have healed us and delivered us from our destruction. So we thank you for healing. We thank you for prosperity on this day, God. We thank you, Father God, that you said if we give, it shall be given unto us. Good measures, pressed down, shaken together, shall men give unto our bosom. And God, we just thank you, God, that we have already been delivered, God, from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of your dear son. God, you have given us everything that we are in the need of on today. So we thank you and we're so grateful. And God, I thank you for the blood of Jesus that's covering us right now in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. So far, we have been teaching on familiar spirits, but God is taking me another way on today and I believe that it's going to help even with the teaching on familiar spirits and how a familiar spirit is familiar with us and I talked about how we can leave gates open how we can leave doors open and this is how that familiar spirit comes in and bring other spirits with him so today I want you to go back with me to the beginning to the beginning and I want to start at Genesis 2 and I'm rem- I will be reading verse 16 and 17, and we're so familiar with this. But let's see what God has to say again on this. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 through 17, King James Version. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, For in the day that thou eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. I'm going to read this again. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, God was speaking, Of every tree of the garden thou may freely eat. But of the tree of of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. You may be seated. I want to talk on today, the choice is yours. The choice is yours. God always have a way of doing things, and sometimes we don't understand what God is doing until we step out in obedience and hear what God is saying. And the only way we can hear what God is saying is when we become acquainted with him and when we begin to know his voice, because the Bible says we shall know his voice and a stranger's voice we shall not follow. 
when you come, become so acquainted with God through your relationship, through being born again, that's your relationship, being born again. You're part of that family. You have a new identity. But then when you go into fellowship with God, when you begin to participate with him, a sharing, when God began to share with you, when you begin to commune with God and communicate with him, you're going into fellowship. And the more you fellowship with him, you're going to like what he like, and you're going to dislike what he likes. And we can see this in family. When we grow up with our mother and father and around our siblings and our aunts, uncles, grandfathers, grandmothers, and, you know, in our home, you're raised in that home, and some homes are raised differently, but you get to know one another. You get to know what your parents like. You get to know what your parents dislike. You get to know what your siblings like or dislike. And you know not to bother someone in that area because they don't like it. And when you bother them in that area, you know you're going to get something from them that you don't want to get, right? So because you, you develop in that relationship, you're fellowshipping one with another. That's how it is with God. The more you fellowship with him... And you can do it through the word of God. You're getting to know him, not knowing about him, but knowing him for real. Because somebody can tell you about him for themselves. But when you get to know him for real, when you experience him through different trials, through different tribulations that you go through, and you end up having an experience with God, you're saying, now, that's my God. You know, I know him. I know his voice. So I'm going to stand on what he's saying. So when God took me back in the beginning, I'm telling you, if you always go back to where it starts, no matter where you are, you're going to know God. You're going to know exactly how God is. So when we see how God created everything, everything was in chaos. It was in a mess. It was nothing there. All of us know these things, but it seems like each time I bring this, sometimes people say, well, I know this, I read this, but I beg you to differ because if you really know this, you can see how the world today is in chaos. It's in confusion. Everything is just tore up from the floor up, and we're in the midst of it. But when we know God, even though we're in the midst of it, we know that we're covered. We know that we're protected by God because he is our protector. He is our keeper. He is our shelter. He is our rock. He is our fortress. When you know who he is, no matter what comes, you can say, God, I know that this is already taken care of. So God, in the beginning, he put things the way he wanted them to be. And when he finished in the second chapter, it says that God rested on the seventh day. He took rest on that day because everything was finished. It was complete. So we know seven means completion. There was nothing else that needed to be done. But what he did when he rested, he took man that he had created from the dust of the ground. He put his life into man. And he placed man in a garden that was already complete. He placed man in that garden and gave him everything that he needed. There was nothing missing. There was nothing broken. God just put him in a place and say, here, everything you need is right here. And he said, the only thing I want you to do, I want you to tend to this place. I want you to watch over. That means it was not no heavy toil, y'all. It was no heavy work because everything God did was good. 
God said, I have given you the authority to watch over what I have created. I want you to watch over it. I want you to protect it. I want, because God already knew that Satan was right there. So he said, tend to this. He said, watch over this. He knew Satan was there. So he said, I'm giving you the right and the authority to keep this the way I intended it to be. Understand what I'm saying, y'all. He said, I want you to keep this the way I intended for it to be. Everything that I created is good. There is no evil there. So I want you to keep it just like I created it. This is what God is telling us today. The heavens and the heavens are the Lord, but the earth. I have given to the children of men. The problem is God cannot go beyond us. Some people say he's God. He's sovereign. No, he gave you the earth. God cannot go outside of his word. It's written. That means whatever's going on on this earth, God has given you the right, the authority, and the ability to put it back like he intended for it to be. How do you put it back? By saying what the word says. You cannot look at something that God has created and leave it out of order. You have to put it back the way God intended for it to be. When something is out of order, you say, "Uh uh-uh, that's not the way. I'll give you an example. Women, when you fix your pillows on your chair, some women. And you got those pillows just like they need to be. When you go in your living room or wherever you go in your sitting room and all of a sudden you look at those pillows, you cannot walk by those pillows, at least some of us, unless we put them back the way they supposed to be. If they ain't fluffed up like I had them, I want to fluff them up because I want them to be put like I had them to be. Now, my dear husband. He tried to fluff them up. He tried to put them like I want them to be. Now, I'm not the type of person that say, you know, don't do this or do that. But I want my stuff like it's supposed to be. So he'll put it back and I'll say, my husband done that. That is not how it's supposed to be. So I'll take the time and say, honey, this is how you do these pillows. There's a certain way they have to be turned for them to look. The way they need to look. They just can't. Women, do y'all agree? Some women, do you agree? Because some women just throw the pillows on the chair and just walk by them and say, this is just a pillow. No, it's just, it's the way you want it to be. So I know how I want them to be. So when they out of order, I just don't leave them any kind of way. Let, Let me go somewhere else with your children. When you raise your children... In the way that they need to be raised, in the way that they need to go according to the word of God. I don't care how grown they get. When they get out of order, and you know that they're out of order, and you're their parents, you're going to speak to them to tell them that's not right. Come on, somebody. Nobody's too grown. I'm not too grown for my daddy to bring me correction. If I'm out of order and he loved me, he don't leave me in that. Oh, y'all, come on now. He don't leave me in that state, in that frame of mind. He want to bring me back the way I need to be. Some of us are let people, even grown folk, church folk, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We know how we're supposed to conduct ourselves. 
And if you see somebody that is not conducting themselves the way they need to be, you need to bring them back. The way they need to be according to the word of God, according to what the word has to say of who they are. You have to remind them you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You have a new identity. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are the righteousness of God. You are chosen by God. You are accepted by God. You are adopted by God. You are forgiven by God. You are the healed of the Lord. You are redeemed by God. You are reconciled by God. You're going to bring them back to where they need to be because you know no man by the flesh. You know them by the spirit. So you're going to bring them back to where they need to be. How can you be around someone that's in the wrong if you don't bring correction? You bring correction, but you're giving them a choice. For some reason, we choose to deal with some and don't choose to deal with others. When you have a choice, that means you have a right to choose between what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. But how can you make the right choice when somebody's not telling you the difference? Some of us get raised up in families where we don't know the difference. We only know evil. We don't know good. But God always have a ram in the bush, y'all. He always have someone to bring us back. To where he would have us to be. God don't leave us ignorant. So when we look here at the God created man. After he created them. And after he placed them in that garden to tend to that garden. To watch over that garden. To protect that garden. This is what God told man here. The Lord said of every tree that's in this garden. You can freely eat from that tree. God said, you can freely eat from every tree. He said, but this tree of knowledge of good and evil, he said, you shall not eat of that tree. And then God turned around and said, why? When we tell somebody something, we need to let them know why. You don't just tell them something and don't give them the why behind what you're telling them. You know how somebody asks you a question or you tell somebody something, they'll say, why? Because I said so. That ain't good enough. Because they want to, the enemy going to keep messing with their mind. Well, why did they say that? Why did they say it this way? This is why God said, or you will surely die. He gave them one command. Now check this. One command with a choice. You either choose death or you choose life. This is what God was saying in the, in, in the beginning. There was a kingdom of darkness already there. And there was a kingdom of light. Come on, salvation is talking right here in the beginning. There's a kingdom of darkness. There's a kingdom of light. I want you to choose light. So God told them what not to do. If you do this, you will surely die. So guess what, y'all? The enemy heard it. Anytime God gives you a choice of what's good, The enemy is always around to bring you something that's evil that's going to bring death. When God tells you you're going to live, come on, the thought that comes back to you, no, you're going to die. How many have that thought? 
When God tells you you're going to live, the enemy's right there saying, no, you're going to die. You got to choose if you want life or if you want death. Look at Deuteronomy um, 30, 19. Look at this one. It says, I have called heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. That I have set before you life and death. Blessings and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. So God has given them a choice. You have the right to choose. God don't take away our choice. Listen what I'm saying. God does not take away your choice. God does not take away your choice. He gives you the right to choose, but it has to be somebody out there giving you the truth so you will know what to choose. But he do not make that decision for you. Have you seen in the word of God where God make a decision for anybody except giving them a choice and telling them what's going to happen? I cannot make a choice for Sister Denise. The only thing I can do is give her truth and leave her be. Because I've done my part. Are we doing our part to tell people the difference between truth and an error? Between truth and a lie? Between good and evil? Are we giving them a choice? People have the right to choose. Then you look at Joshua 24. Verses 14 through 15. Come on, I'm giving you some witnesses. Let it be established by what? Two or three. It says, Joshua 24, 14 through 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now look at these witnesses Giving you a choice. Here goes salvation again. You have the right to choose whom you're going to serve. God has given us that right, that choice. He has created us with the will. No one should take away your will, your choice. You have the right to choose. You go in a lawyer's office. You have a right to choose guilty or innocent. You go in a doctor's office. You have the right to choose life or death, right? You have that right. And then you sign off what you chose. Why? Because if something happened, it ain't on me. No matter where you go, when you buy a house, you have the right to choose. They tell you, you can go this way, you can pay this amount, or you can go this way, you can pay that amount. Same thing with a car. You can go this way, you can go that way. Do you want a warranty or do you not want a warranty? We need to know because once we do the contract, you have made the right to what you want. Is that not a right to choose? I pray that somebody light bulb is coming on here today. I'm, I'm going a little bit deeper. Because God is bringing this for a reason. We try to choose for people. You cannot choose for no one. When your children get up to an age of accountability. Where they can choose for themselves. 
I don't care if you beat them blue. They have a right to choose what they want. If you're telling them don't do this, they have a right to do it or not to do it. You can sign for them until they get up to an age where they can sign for themselves. And when they get up to that age and you calling about your child, if I call on Jeremy Bryant, well, I, I can't give you nothing on him. I'm his mother, and He's grown. He got to make this choice. So the only thing I can do is sit down with Jeremy or sit down with Ariel and tell them what's right. But they still have to choose. So why would I get mad at what they chose? That was their choice. And they got to live with what. Oh, y'all, come on. Some of us is making choices for people. And we're getting mad because they don't want to choose our way. Your way might not be the right way. You might be living foul and want them to live like you. They have a choice and you got to give them the right to make the choice that they need to make. When we make the choices that we make. Remember God, I'm going back to Genesis. Remember when God told them, you will surely die. One thing I want y'all to know about God, just in case you don't know. God is not going to alter his word. God is not going to change his word. Whatever is written is written. It cannot be made void. It cannot be. You may scratch it out of the word yourself and don't read that part. But it's written. So God told them this is what's going to happen. Okay. So y'all know what's going to have to happen. When God gives you truth. Wait on it. Wait on it. The enemy is going to send someone to represent him to bring error. To bring deceit. It may be your husband. It may be your wife. It may be your children. It may be a friend that you have. It may be whoever it may be. The enemy is waiting to make you change the truth into a lie. Remember, he's always waiting. Because when God gives you truth, the enemy is always at the door waiting for you to open it. He's waiting for you to open that door to take that lie. So after they got the truth, what did the enemy do? He came in and said, did God really say? Did God really say that you could eat from every tree in the garden? He didn't go right to that knowledge of good and evil. Did God really say that you can eat from every tree in the garden? And then you know what Eve said? We can eat from all the trees except for the tree that's in the midst of the garden. We can't eat from that tree or touch it or we shall die. And then he said, oh, you won't die. See, the enemy was twisting it. Why was he twisting it? Because he wanted her to pay attention to what God told them not to do. What the enemy does, anything that the Lord tell you not to do, he wants your attention on that. If the enemy is telling you, if God is telling you something that's good, the enemy going to take your mind off of what's good and put it on evil. This is what he does. So what did he do? She started focusing on what the enemy was saying. Guess what she did? She ate from that tree. When she ate from the tree, she gave some to her husband. Guess what happened? Their eyes were open. They saw that they were naked. So guess what came in on on the scene? A shame. They felt ashamed because of their nakedness. And then fear came in on the scene because they were hiding from God. 
So this is what happens when you make the wrong choice. You're going to open the door. When you open the door, you inviting spirits to come in. You welcome them in your house. Not only was shame there, fear was there, disappointment was there, guilt was there, condemnation was there. All of that came through that one door. So after they did that, after this came in through that one door, guess what? There are consequences. You open the door. But now to whatever you open the door to, there are consequences behind what you open the door to. When you look in Genesis and you see the consequences in Genesis 3, 14 through 19. But before the consequences came, God began to talk with them. He asked the man, the man said, because of this woman, why is it that when we choose wrongly, we blame somebody for what we choose? Why is it when we choose wrongly? But if you, that woman you gave me, that's why I ate that fruit. Then that woman began to say, it was because of that snake you created. It was because of the serpent you created. That's why I ate that fruit. But the serpent didn't have to answer nothing. <laughs> because he already got what, the enemy already got what he wanted through that serpent, right? So God gave all of them the consequences from being disobedient. So what am I saying to you today? There are consequences behind what you do. It may feel good, it may look good, and it may taste good, but there's an after effect. There are consequences after that taste was so good, after that feeling was so good, after all of this was so good, after you done signed them papers with that new car when God told you to wait. Then there are consequences that come in behind it. After you done done things that God told you not to do because you were in your feelings. There are consequences behind those things. Let's move forward. I'm still talking about you have a choice. You have the right to choose. That's what a choice is. The right to choose. Then the Lord began to show me after we see the consequences. He even took me here. Go with me to Matthew 6, 24. We still talking about you have the right to choose. God has taught me this, y'all. There's not enough teaching in the body of Christ. There's too much yapping and yelling. There's too much people trying to stir up the people instead of teaching the people so they'll be able to make the right choice. Matthew 6, 24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That means God and riches. I'm going to read this again. No one can serve two masters. Do you not have a choice here? For either you will hate the one and love the other. Or else you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and riches. Let me tell you what happens when you choose riches. Go with me to 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10. 1 Timothy 6, verse 9 through 10. I'm reading the expanded Bible. It says, those who want to become rich bring temptations to themselves, fall into temptations, and are caught in a trap. 
They want, desire many foolish and harmful things that ruin and destroy people, plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money causes the root of all kinds of evil. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? For the love of money causes all root of all kinds of evil. So people have left, strayed, wandered from the faith because they wanted to get more money. But they have caused themselves much sorrow and have pierced themselves with many pains. These are the consequences. When you choose mammon, mammon is a spirit. And I'm going to teach on that. It's deep. Mammon is a spirit. When you choose riches over God, that's your idol. That's the God that you're serving. How can you say I'm choosing riches over God? Because when you tighten up your hand and don't want to give because you're scared you won't have enough, that's serving mammon. That's not serving God. When you out trying to get more because you never have enough, y'all come on now. I remember when a dollar was good for me. Y'all remember? Because you can go buy bubble gum, two cent, a penny. So if you had you a dollar, you had some money, right? We used to go work for our uncle and we'd get up five o'clock in the morning and at the end of the day, about two o'clock, we made two dollars a piece. Don't seem like much, but back then it was a lot to us. That two dollars meant a lot. So when we got paid two dollars, we may not have bought it back home because we ate with it before we came home. So, hey, (laughs) I believe my uncle knew what he was doing. Anyway, (laughs) what I'm saying is that two dollars meant a lot. But then when somebody gives you five, five is more than two dollars. So you got the five and you keep climbing up. So it's never enough, y'all. A thousand dollars to people now is nothing. Help me somebody. A thousand dollars to people today is nothing because you can spend that with a blink of an eye. So you're still trying to get more. How are you trying to get more? You're trying to venture out in different things to get more because it's not enough. I want more. It's never enough. You're never satisfied. You're never content. God had to teach me how to be content when I was up there as a director, when I was making the money, and when when I got um, demoted and came down, God taught me how to be content with what I had and showed me how to live off of what I had. He always showed me I'm first. See, the spirit of mammon cannot have you if you put God first. But when you're trying to get more, 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 it's never enough. You need to be asking God, God, what do you want me to do? See, the more money you get, the more it takes for you to live because you started buying to meet what you have. But if you take what you have and use it responsibly, the spirit of mammon won't come in on you. Every time you turn around, if you're talking money, 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 I need more, I need more, then that spirit of mammon have you. Do anyone in here have a $20 bill I could hold? Come up, Tisha. Do anyone have anything bigger than a 20 or 50? A hundred? I say I got a credit card. Anybody got a hundred? Can I hold your hundred, Phyllis? Tisha, get Phyllis hundred. Okay. I'm going to show y'all something. Thank y'all so much. Look at the hundred. 
Look at the 20. Can somebody tell me what you're hearing with the 20? Need, need more. Which one you want? Who's speaking to you more? Money talks. That say, not enough. This say, give me that. Tell me somebody. Y'all didn't know your money talks to you? It talks to you every day. This say, give me that. This say, I want that. Do y'all hear this money talking? Jeremy? What is that saying to you, baby? What does it speak to you, baby? What, what is it saying? Eat me. Quisha, we can go eat today. What you hearing, baby? You hearing money talking. Even the kids know the difference. You give a child $2 for their birthday, and they'll say, where the rest? I'm going to show you. This is the spirit of mammon. When you can stop hearing money talk to you, and you could just say, thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm going to help somebody. I'm a, yes, Yana, what is it saying? Them my grandbabies. Yana got to come in and correct her because I didn't ask Yana. See, them youngins talking, as they say. So we understanding that money talks, right? When you don't hear money talking, then you know, spirit of mammon don't have me. Because no matter what I have, catch it somebody. I'm content with what I have. Amen? Tisha, y'all can come back and get your money. But money talks. Money always talks. Look at your bank account. It be talking to you. I need more. Do, do y'all bank accounts talk? I need more. It ain't enough in here. I got to find something else to do to make it to the month. But when you hear what the word of God say, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow have troubles of its own. Money talks. That's because it's the love of it. It ain't the money. That's just a piece of paper. But it's the love that you have for that piece of paper that gets us in trouble because we always trying to get what somebody else have. Come on, women. Go in the mall and see the pocketbooks. They're talking everywhere. You look good with me. Ooh, sure would. You look better with me. Mm-hmm, now you're talking. Y'all, you know the difference. I, I can go in TJ, Ma- TJ Maxx before I get to the pocketbooks. I can smell leather and go pick it up. Come on, women. You know the difference. I even got my husband knowing the difference between pocketbooks. He know what to call them now. <laughs> he know what to call them. But it's not that I lust. It's not that I have to have them. Because if anything I got to have, I'm going to work diligently until I get it. Right? So you got to know the difference. Between lust, love, and all of that. So what I'm saying, there's a spirit of mammon in the church. 
There's a spirit of mammon in the church because when somebody give you something, if it ain't what you want, you don't want it. If they're giving you a little token of their appreciation, you will look at it like, is that all? That might be all they have, but guess what? Sometimes it's not all that they have. Sometimes they're just giving it to say I gave something, but it's not from the heart because mammon got them. When mammon don't have you and you truly give from your heart because you've been with the father, you ain't worrying about what's in your bank account, even if he tell you to clean it out. Mammon in the house. So you have a choice for what you're going to choose. We have a choice when it comes to money, whether we're going to give or whether we're not going to give. We don't base our giving on our bank account. We base our giving on the word of God. We don't base our giving on what we want to do. We base our giving on what God tell us to do. It's a heart thing. Every choice we make come from the heart. It's what's in your heart. Okay. Let's move on. Mammon talking. Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Matthew 7, 13 through 14. It says this. Enter through the narrow gate. Because the gate is wide and the road is wide, broad, spacious, or easy that leads to hell. Destruction or ruin. And many people enter through that gate. But the gate is small and the road is narrow or difficult, hard, that leads to true life. Only a few people and there are few who find that road. Why is that? I don't know about you. To drive on a wide road is easy. What about y'all? Because the road is wide. You don't have to worry about somebody hitting you on that road. I'll give you an example. Um... About a month ago, we were coming um, through Raleigh, and it was at nighttime, and I don't like driving at night, y'all. I really don't like driving at night. When you're not used to driving at night, you just don't want to drive at night. So I was driving, and Ariel was over there about sleep. So I'm driving back, and uh, my husband was behind me. So being that I'm not used to driving at night, I want to drive carefully, and the lanes were very narrow, so it was difficult for me. It was difficult. What I wanted to do is stop the car and get out and say, please, somebody drive this car. But I knew I couldn't do it. I knew I had to make it. You with me, Julia? I, I, I knew we had to get home, so I'm giving God glory. We're getting home out of Raleigh. My husband called me. Praise Jesus, he called me. I'm thinking, my honey calling me saying, it's okay, baby. You can do it. Move out the way. You holding up traffic. I'm on a hard road, y'all, for me. It was difficult. So I'm thinking I'm going to get some compassion from that dear husband of mine. You're going too slow. You know what I did? I kept going slow. You know why? 
Because when I looked on the other side, it wasn't a way for me to get over with all that construction work. I don't drive like my husband. Amen, somebody. So on my difficult road, just because you can do something, don't mean I'm going to do what you do. Amen. I'm not prideful. I'm not trying to speed up because you speed up. I'm going to keep my pace because Lord knows I'm going to make it. And I made it, but I made up my mind. When I get to Fuquay, there's a way. I'm pulling over. Every time my mama I drive, I say, okay, girl, you drive now. You take it on home. I get off the highway. Okay, I'm happy. My daughter's sleeping. You know, after you work them shifts, you're sleeping. I'm looking over there. I said, girl, you can't drive your mama home. I'm going to have to make it. With the help of the Lord, we going home, right? So I said, just tell me where to turn. All that construction, you got to make sure you turn off the right road. She said, Mama, turn here. I said, okay, baby. The child had me going back the other way. I'm going to help y'all. I'm going back another way. I said, oh, Lord, help us, Jesus. I got to go right back where I came. See, difficult. I'm talking about a narrow road. It was difficult. But thank God, we got back on the right track with patience. But in the midst of being on that narrow road, the devil was talking. Your husband didn't care about you. He told you to move out the way. Y'all, I was silent. He called me. I'm like, yeah. Um, how he said that thing? You okay? Yeah, click up. And the devil say, oh, he, he caring now. I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on now. I got off the road now, but the devil was using me. So I had to get myself together, didn't I, honey? I had to apologize to my husband. Still waiting on him. What you want me to say, man? Are you moving south? I want you to be a caring husband. You know I don't like driving at night. You know me. Now, my daddy would have told me, you shouldn't have been up under that wheel anyway. (laughs) But God got, what am I saying? There's a wide road and there's a difficult road. I didn't give up. I kept going. It wasn't easy, y'all. But I kept going. So I had a choice, right? I had a choice. We all have choices we have to make. So people get on that wide road because it's easy. And on that wide road is things outside of the way that God does things. So we stay on that road because it's easy and it looked like we're doing the right thing, but we're not because it's easy. The Bible tells us in Proverbs sixteen twenty five, there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in the way of death. So there's ways that seems right to us because it looks easy. Everything that's easy in God. Sometimes God uh, allow you to go through difficult situations to let you know to lean and depend on me. Don't give up. Keep going. I'm with you. 
So there's a way that seems right. There may be things in your life that seems right and it make you feel good and it makes you feel like you worked everything out and it's going to be this way. But that may not be God's way. Give you another illustration. When we was getting out of home, me and my husband was purchasing the home. And God was telling me, you know, what to ask the gentleman for for the home. He gave us that. But how many know that the enemy is going to come in? Remember, when things are good, the enemy going to come in and try to change it around. So I sent my husband back to the man to ask him if he can up the price of the house. That way we can um, get the money we need to, you know, pay for the down payment. The man said, sure, I'll do it. So in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, that's God. So when I went back in prayer, I heard the Holy Spirit say, there's a way that seems right to a man. But that's the way of death. So when I heard that, they went to the attorney. The attorney told my husband and that man, if you do it that way, both of you can get locked up. There's a way that seems. But see, when I heard the Lord, y'all can tell me. That God will let you get into something that you don't supposed to get into. The enemy want to distract you to keep you from hearing the voice of God to do things out of God's way. And do it his way because he's about death. He's about ruin. So you have to hear the Lord when the Lord is speaking. Don't think that everything that's easy is for you. God wants you to trust him in that difficult time on that narrow road and say, God, no matter what, I'm going to stay on this road because I know you're going to get me through it. Come what may. The choice is yours. God ain't going to make you. He just speaks to you and tell you what to do along the way. But you got to hear him. So there are many voices in this world, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. There are many voices. And you know where all those voices come from? What we entertain. When you entertain so many voices during the day, television, radio, games, and all of these things, guess what? This is what happens. You don't know what voice is God's voice because whatever you spend more time with, you hearing that over God because the devil want to be elevated above God. I'm going back here because the Holy Spirit is reminding me of the spirit of mammon. Um, in games, there are games Dungeons and Dragons. Jeremy, you remember like Dungeon and Dragon years ago? Wasn't there a spirit of mammon in that game? See there? If you got your kids watching that dungeon and, and dragons, there's a spirit of mammon in games. And it make your kids love that spirit. Oh, we buying that right now in the name of Jesus, Jeremy. See what I'm saying? You can love mammon and don't even realize why you have a love of money. You always trying to get it. You got to have it. But when you put it money before God, Guess what? It's like a, a bucket with holes. The more you get, the more it leaves your hand. Have anybody had money and every time you get it, it's just leaving? You don't know what you can't account for. Had it this day, it's gone tomorrow. It's because you put money before God. That's the love of money. But when you take in what you have and you're raising it up and you're giving it to God first and foremost, that means you're saying, God, I love you more than I love this money. Because I'm giving it to you 
Y'all, that's why God first. That's why he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things. And all of these things will be added unto you. I'm going to give you another example. When God tell you to give into this ministry, the devil going to come and say, why are you giving into them? You got, they got more than you. How do you know we got more than you? You just looking on the outside. You don't know what's inside. I help somebody. Don't, don't, that's mammon speaking. That's the spirit. Don't give them no more. They got more on you. Don't you see what they drive? Don't you see what's in their yard? Don't you see what, how they're living? I remember I did, a, did an illustration. It was with me and Tisha. Tisha, remember this illustration? I brought Tisha up and there was me. Already knew about Tisha. But I said, who would y'all give to first, me or Tisha? Y'all said Tisha. I already knew the deal on Tisha years ago. Y'all looked at Tisha and looked at me and decided by what you looked at, you had a choice. But you don't go on the way a person look. You, and not saying Tisha look terrible because she doesn't. She's a beautiful lady. But what I'm saying is you don't do that. Because you go on the heart. You go on what God is saying. If you don't hear God, you will miss your blessing that God has for you because you're looking at the outside. You're not looking from the heart. Oh, I know God is hitting something up in here. I know he's hitting something up in here. See, it's in the house. It's in the house. The spirit of mammon is in the house. We decide based on how we see people. We look at people based on what they have, and that's how we determine what we give them. You give according to what God say, not according to how somebody look. Because you got people out here holding signs that's rich, and you giving them money, and God ain't told you to give them the money. Bless me. I remember this man said, him and this uh, other uh, basketball player, they were uh, seeing a homeless man. And he, the ba- other basketball player gave him $100. And he said, you stingy. You didn't give him nothing. He said, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, the same way they can stand up there and beg for that money, they can go to McDonald's and say, how may I help you? He said, I don't say I don't give. See, people look at people and think that they're down in the dumps. But some people want money because they want to hide. And if you ain't hearing God, you participating in that high. High. We got so many people holding signs, and you know the different places they're holding signs before you get there. They know the hot spots. That's why you got to hear God. Sometimes you can say, silver and gold, or have I none? But in the name of Jesus, go out and get a job. You know what Peter did? The silver and gold wasn't going to help this man. He was lame. He needed to walk so he can go out and help himself. Come on, somebody. A man don't. That's what the word says. So you got to be in the spirit on the Lord day instead of saying, oh, give money. Oh, God, what you want me to do? Your heart got to be right to do it. Oh, God is helping. Oh, we're going to teach on that spirit of mammon. We're going to teach on it because I had to repent. 
We have to repent sometime because sometimes we can hold on to something because we're afraid to let it go because we're saying, if I let this go, what am I going to have? That's not God. Because God said he will supply. Oh, you cannot hold back on God to pay Verizon. No, God get first. And if you put God first, your bill already paid. Am I telling you not to pay your bills and give to God? No, I'm not telling you that. What I'm telling you is God's supposed to be first above everything. Because if you don't put him first, guess what? You ain't going to be able to pay everything anyway. But when you put him first, you always have more than enough. God always saying, oh, he's faithful, y'all. He's faithful. Me and my husband know he is faithful. We take little and God make it much. God proves himself. He does it because why? We give from the heart. We don't give grudgingly. We don't give based on, oh, I give this amount and I still have this amount. No, God, I'm giving the way you want me to give, not the way I think I need to give. Okay. So we're talking about there's a way that seems right. But it leads to death. Let's talk about it. Genesis 39, 7 through 12. This is dealing with um, Joseph. Y'all remember Joseph and how his brothers hated him so much. Because they thought the dad loved him more than them. And they sold him into slavery. So he ended up in Potiphar's house. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. So he's in Potiphar's house. This is what Joseph said in verse 8, Genesis 39. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Did y'all hear what Joseph said? He said, I'll be sinning against God. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day. Look what the enemy will do. Day by day, he's going to come at you. Day by day, he's going to come at you. That... He did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside. That she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. See, the enemy, why am I going here? Remember I said there's a wide road and there's a narrow narrow road. That narrow road is difficult. It is hard. Joseph was put in a place with the woman. He recognized that woman was married. He could not have that woman. But that woman kept coming at him, coming at him. Women are going to come at you, men. They're going to keep coming and keep coming and coming to see what you're made of. To see if you're the man of God or or the woman of God that you say that you are. The enemy ain't going to stop because he feels as if there's a weakness somewhere in you and I'm going to find it. So what did Joseph do? He left his garment. He fled. But what did the devil do? I'm going to set you up. So she began to scream as if Joseph came at her the wrong way. She told her husband, guess what happened? They put Joseph in prison. Now, Joseph made the right choice. Did he not? 
by making that right choice, he still went to prison. That don't look right, does it? But God had a plan. And he had a destiny for Joseph's life. So even in prison, God gave Joseph favor because God was putting Joseph in situations because he had to get him to a place. I'm going to go back. I was put in situations and thought that this is not right. Even on my job and in other situations, this is not right. I haven't done anything, God. Why do I have to go through? God was showing me there's a wide road and there's a narrow road. He said, you're going to go through some difficult things on this road, but I want you to trust me. I have went through difficult things with a lot of folk, even in my house, difficult things, but I trusted God. I stayed on that road and God took me out of the pit and brought me to a palace, which is the position that I'm in now for him. Some of us don't want to go through difficult situations. We want everything to be easy. But God take those difficult situations to make you stronger. He puts you in those difficult situations not only for you but to help somebody. Joseph was helping many people. It wasn't really about Joseph. It was all about God. God was showing Joseph who he really was. Everywhere Joseph went, people noticed his favor. See, everywhere you go, people should see the favor. Of the Lord upon you. Everywhere you go. It's like people want to cling to you. Because they're saying it's something about you. Because every time I connect with you. I get because you get. I'm going to tell y'all something funny. I said this before. Dealing with Brother Willie. We went out to Sensation to eat. Me, Brother Willie and Sister Denise and my husband. And there was a lady in there. And the Lord allowed me to minister to this lady. Long story short. We were going to get us some ice cream, right, Sister Niece? And the lady came and gave me money for the ice cream. Now, Willie didn't want none. Willie said he didn't want no ice cream. That's what he said. So when he came back and the lady was paying for some ice, gave me the money for the ice cream, now Willie want ice cream. <laughs> he wanted some of that favor too. So what am I saying? God will connect you with the right people. When they're blessed, you're blessed. So you got to make the right. Don't get mad because if I move up, you're going to move up. I shouldn't get mad if you move up because I'm going to move up. We're going to move up together because we're a family. We shouldn't get mad at one another. We should be rejoicing and say, God, I thank you for Melody. I thank you for what you're doing in her life. I thank you for how you're richly blessing her. I thank you for how you're pouring into her house, Father God, because she's pouring out of her house. God, I thank you that everything that she's in the need of God you have already supplied I thank you that because she's a giver God you're giving back to her good measures pressed down shaking together running over shall men give into her bosom God I thank you God because as you bless her God I'm blessed we should be rejoicing together and giving God glory for all the things That he has done. When he does something in your life. He's doing it in my life. Because he has no respect of a person. God does not change. Why we get mad? Because we see somebody with a new vehicle. We should be doing our dance. And saying God I give you glory. For that new vehicle God. I thank you God. But what do we do? Look at there. I told you they thieves and robbers. 
I told you they deserve. Look at them riding. You see the glory, but you don't know my story. Because God will take little and God will make it much. God will take something that's top and he will replenish it and he will get the glory from it. I remember. See, y'all don't know. You don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. Come on, nobody know. Because see, my, me and my husband don't talk. Y'all just see, but you don't know. Because see, I have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about my problems. Y'all say trouble. Any answers? Come on, sing it. Uh-huh. All right, now it makes it right. Because see, when I have my little talks with Jesus, I talk from my heart. And I had a little talk with him. Y'all, my daughter, Jeremy knows. You know, Jeremy takes care of Jeremy and his knees and his kids. He, I, I give God glory for both of my children, how God got them on the right track. But my daughter... Never would ask for much. Neither children would ever ask for much. But I remember my husband would cut yards and he seen this Honda. Jennifer, no. This Honda over there in this lady yard. And he asked her about this Honda. That Honda would tow up. The lady was hauling dogs in it. The dog peeing all in it. It was tow up. So he said, can I get that Honda for you? And I'll just finish cutting your grass. And some people seen the pictures. I think, Willie, you saw the pictures. I don't know if Jennifer saw them. It was tow up. My husband, my husband came home and he told me, he said, I believe I can take this Honda and fix it up for Ariel. Well, she will have her a car. I looked at that Honda, but I was with my husband. I said, okay. My husband worked diligent with cleaning out that Honda, doing what needed to be done to that Honda. Once that Honda got restored and we gave it to our daughter, she did not grumble. She did not complain. She drove that car. And I believe she drove it for about two years, that car. And you could still kind of smell a smell. And every now and then you would see dog hair. And my husband was like, where did that come from? I thought I'd clean that. And me and Ariel would be afraid to put our cups down in it. But after a while, I said, I'm getting over this. Because God blessed with this car. I mean, the car was restored. And I remember one day it was time for Ariel to graduate. And I said, Lord, what can we do for her for graduation? Birthday. Birthday? Yeah. He said, get her a car. I said, get her a car. I ain't got no money to get her no car. So by faith, I began looking for a car. He said, because she ain't complained. Not one time. When she had what she had, she never even asked, why y'all give me this jump? Never said it. Just drove it. So when we went looking for a car, I was looking for a Honda. And I said, well, I'll find her a Honda, you know, marketplace. And as I was looking, the Lord said, "Uh uh-uh. Look for her Lexus. I say, Lexus. I know. I said, okay, God, I'll look for a Lexus. Lexus popped up. Me and my husband offered this man the money for the Lexus. He took it. Now it was time to get the money. We walk by faith and not by. 
So I took my little faith steps, y'all. Hear what I'm saying. I had a choice, either to trust God or do it my way, right? So I prayed. I said, okay, God, I found the car. This is what the man going to take. Now, where did the money come from? Ding. A bell come on. God showed me and my husband, and it did not come through this church. Let me make it clear. Did not come through the church. He showed us how to get that car with title in our hand. How he showed us to do it, it didn't only pay for the car, it paid for the, t- the tags and everything. Had the title in our hand. We walked out with the title in our hand. I had to drive it back from Raleigh. Oh, Jesus, that traffic in Raleigh over there. My husband calling me again, follow me. I threw that phone in that seat and said, Jesus. He said, you need some gas. I said, I ain't stopping. So I get on 40. That car was on E. I said, you're going to prove to me today how far you can go because I'm not getting off this thing. Now, I don't be playing when it comes to driving. Anyway, God blessed us. It was God. So see, you see the glory. But you don't know our story. Everything we got got a story behind it. But it reveals his glory. See, people look at you, but they don't know what you go through. We be on those narrow, those difficult roles, even with the ministry. It was difficult roles, but we stayed on that road, trusting God, knowing that if God said it, he would have to perform what he said. So don't get mad at me. Get mad at God. Because I'm only doing what God tell me to do. And it can be the same for you. The more time you spend with God, God will take the little, y'all, and he will make it much. He will do that for you the same way he done it for us. Huh, let me tell you another miracle, staying on the narrow road. People stop paying their tithes. See, God will see where you are in difficult times. The devil come through the church telling people, don't give. And then you know them people were heeding to the devil? They wasn't giving. Six months, my husband went without a paycheck. And we took care of the ministry instead of taking care of us. But I'm here to tell you, those walks down the road with my little poodle, if y'all ever pass by and blow at me, and I'm walking that poodle, me and God got something going on. I walked that road, I talked to God, I gave him glory, I gave him honor. I said, God, you chose me for this. So God, I'm thanking you that everything that we are in the need of, God, it will come to this house. We will not lose not one thing. God, we will have more than enough. And I'm here to tell you, we have more than enough. God is not slack concerning his promises. Have more than enough. How do we make it? By the grace of God. And I remember I would call apostle and we would just thank God. Because I say apostle. We would just pray and thank God because I knew God. And this is what God told me. He said, I'm going to show you how to live off of little. So when things come upon the land, you ain't going to have no problem. Y'all. 
Oh, God has done opened up a door. See, because the enemy been in this church with a familiar spirit blowing in your ear. Making you think we're takers instead of givers. Making you think they don't need, I ain't giving nothing. But it's okay. Ain't no hard feelings because God has a way of doing things past our understanding. Only thing we got to do is trust him. Just like Joseph, he trusts him. I'm still talking about the narrow road. Don't get off that road. Stay on that road. Don't you get on that easy road with all those that's doing these crazy stuff. See, Joseph did not commit adultery. It was easy for him to do. It was laying there right before him. But what did he do? He fled. He, 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 he left that. No, that's your wife. And do you know what the word of God says with a man that commits adultery? Go with me to Proverbs, the sixth chapter. I'm being led by the spirit, y'all. And this is what it says in Proverbs 6, verse 32. Whoever commits adultery with a woman likes understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will get. And his reproach will not be wiped away. Do y'all hear that? For jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He would not. He will accept no recompense. Nor will he be appeased. Do you give many gifts? There go the consequences. There are consequences behind everything that we do, y'all. The enemy knows this. If he can get us off the path that we have with the Lord, he knows we're going to go down a path that represents death. Even though Jesus made a way for us, come on, quit pulling that grace card. You're going to reap what you sow. If you sow in discord, you're going to get discord. If you sow love, you're going to get love. If you sow mercy, you're going to get mercy. Whatever you have sown, it's going to come up before you. You're not going to get out of it. So since we talked about the choices, the consequences, let's talk about this. How do we choose? According to the word of God. This is why we have to be in the word of God. We can't do things so quick and in a hurry, y'all. Asa in the Bible, he was serving God, but we know he turned back from serving. And he had a problem with his foot. Instead of him going to God about that foot, he went to somebody else and he died. Everything that we do, we need to consult God. We need to see what, see, we want quick fixes. Nobody don't want to be in pain, so we want a quick fix. But take the time and stop. Stop, drop, and roll. Take the time just to stop and say, Father, what would you have me to do in this difficult situation? God, how would you have me to do it? That's going to trust the Lord, trusting in the Lord with all thine heart. Leaning not to thine own understanding. Trusting in the Lord. That means if I'm trusting in him, I'm saying you're the vine, I'm the branch. I'm leaning, I'm dependent on you. God, I can do nothing outside of you. So God, here I am trusting, leaning, depending on you. God, yes, this do look good over here, but I'm not going to put you before 
Put that before I put you. So I don't want to lean to my own understanding because this is the way I understand it. But God, that may not be the way you want me to understand it. So God, I'm going to lean to you. I'm going to acknowledge you in all my ways. And I know without a doubt you will direct my path. So I'm going to learn to wait on you, Lord. Again, I say I'm going to wait. And while I'm waiting, I'm going to be of a good courage. And my heart is going to be strengthened because those that wait upon the Lord he shall this is a promise he shall renew your strength you then shall mount up with wings as an eagle you shall run and not get weary you shall walk and not faint why because I'm in the waiting position not waiting doing nothing but I'm waiting trusting leaning and depending and giving God glory knowing that what I have asked God have already supplied so why am I worried because you're still God heaven and earth shall pass away but your word is going to remain it's going to stand forever your word ain't coming back to you void it's going to come to you it's not going to come back to you empty but it's going to go out and accomplish what God intended for it to accomplish and it's going to succeed in what God intended for it to do it's going to happen because he is God and not man that he should lie neither the son of man that he shall repent have he not said it sister Deborah shall he not do it have he not spoken it shall he not make it good you got to know what he said if you don't know what he said how can you stand on what he's saying God is going to remain faithful so we have to stand doing all we have to stand And we have to rejoice even in our standing. That's why you cannot connect yourself with people that's making the wrong choices. It may look good. It may sound good. But is that what God told you to do? When I was going through on that job, that bathroom was the throne room. If anybody went in that bathroom, they only smelled a sweet aroma. Because I was before the Lord saying, Lord, what you want me to do? Because I want to strangle these people. And the only thing I would hear every day before the Lord, be not weary in your well-doing. For you shall reap if you faint not. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. One day I went in there and heard the same thing. I said, wait a minute. God, how long am I going to be weary? God, I'm tired. I'm just tired. I'm tired of dealing with these people. I'm just tired. So, Lord, I got to have something else besides this. Check this. God said, if you can't take this, you ain't going to take nothing else. He said, you got to take this and trust me that you be not weary in your well-doing. Because in due season, you are going to. He said, listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. I was getting dis I was getting discouraged. I was finna go on that wide road and whoop somebody. I was trying to stay on that difficult road. Jennifer was on that wide road. She was gonna whoop him for me. I, I couldn't let Jennifer whoop him. I remember one day Jennifer say, she got mad. Why are you doing that? I said, Jennifer. I wouldn't do nothing. <laughs> remember Jennifer? I would go in Jennifer, I'm like, this girl done gone crazy. <laughs> but guess what? God turned Jennifer around because 
I didn't move off of the narrow road. I stayed because I was hearing God more than I was hearing my feelings. Have you ever been so much in feelings that you couldn't make a choice? Come on, somebody. Raise your hands. Raise your toes. Your feet, raise everything you can raise. You get so much in your feelings, you can't make the right choice. And you just say, whatever. If I die, I just die. <laughs> you just give up before your time. I done did all I could do. God say, that's what I'm waiting on. I'm waiting on you to say. I done did all I can do. God said, that's when I can step in. When you let go of you, I can step in. So I need for you to make the right choice. This is what God is saying today. Our choices are making us, are messing us up because they are not in alignment with the word. Men, when you get so used to supplying for your family or you get so used to having money in your pocket that your wife don't have to orchestrate, hey, I'm going to help somebody. That your wife don't have to say, no, baby, don't go out and spend that now because you, you can't spend that. We, we got to keep that right there. When you get so used to having your money and doing what you want to do to it, and then when you don't have it, now you're like a crying hound dog, puppy. Don't know what to do. Because spirit of mammon had you. Y'all, there is contentment in God. Paul said he had to learn how to be content. Some of us have not learned how to be content because we can't get out of the getting mode. So when we can't get no more, this is what we say. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm just as happy as a lark. Yeah, you're happy because nobody don't want to give you no credit. Your debt ratio too high, so you know you can't get nothing, so you got content. But then when you get out the ditch and find out you can get a card. Oh, sucky, sucky. Now, now oh, the Lord is blessing me. What happened to be content? You didn't want this. You didn't want that. Oh, oh, light bulb. Can somebody say ding? Sound like money, don't it? Ding. Light bulb on now. When you can't get nothing, you content. You just laid back because you know you can't get. So now you say you trust in God. But he go to test. When somebody say, I can uh, help you with this and you will save money. What do I need to do? I thought you were content. Money talks. And the devil got the spirit of mammon upon the land. Trying to get us to get everything we can get. And so, This is another funny thing. I pray this is helping y'all because it's helped me. Y'all know when they gave us all that money. What was it called? Who? Stimulus. You know when you go do your taxes. You know they get it back, right? Me, ignorant, going to see the lady got to me and she said, well, we got to take this uh, 4200 Was it 4200 I said, what you taking $4,200 for me for? She said, because the government gave me. I said, they ain't gave me nothing. <laughs> I said, when did everybody get it? She said, you know, you guys. I said, when did people? I looked at my husband. Remember, I said, when did they get that money? Got that money, paid off stuff, and forgot I had it. 
Come on, somebody. Because see, part of it was Ariel's. She was in college. I had to give her her part. I wasn't going to take that from her. That's her part. The other part, me and my husband paid off whatever we had to pay off. So we won't have to be in some debt. And then I say, I ain't got no money. You can't be putting that down there. I ain't got no money. Ding, the bell, come on. I say, is you talking about that? Da, da, da. She said, yeah. I said, okay. <laughs> Do you see how money does? Yeah. Money will leave you. But God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, even in the midst of a famine. I'm still more than enough. Even in the midst of gas prices going higher. Can anybody tell me when those gas prices went higher, did you stop doing anything? Come on. Did you stop going to work? Did you stop going to places you've been going? Who's in the midst of you? We have a choice. Let me go here. According to the word of God. Y'all just love the word. And I'm going to give you everything God has given me. So just sit back and relax. I don't have no popcorn. But I have some life up in here. Amen. Genesis 26. 1 through 6. We're talking about living according to the word. Making the right choice. Here's Isaac. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. Now he went to him. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. He told him to dwell in the land. He told him how he was going to bless him. So God spoke to Isaac. So Isaac was obedient. According to verse 6. He dwelt in that land. Look what happened in verse 12, Genesis 26, 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continue prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks and possession of herds and a great number of servants. Now look at this. So the Philistines envied him. What happened? He had a choice. Either he dwelt in a land that he didn't suppose to dwell in or he dwelt in the land God told him to. He dwelt in the land God told him to and God stood on his word. What am I telling you? You have a choice. The choice is yours. But you want to make the right choice according to the word of God. Amen. And then Joshua 1, 7 through 8, it tells us. Only be strong and very courageous that you may do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn not from it to the, to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Then he told him how to do it. The book of law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night and you may, that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. It takes the word of God, y'all. To make the right choice, it takes the word of God. Do not go outside of the word. It takes the word. I went over Isaiah 55, 11 and Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. And I pray through this teaching, the choice is yours, that we all make the right choices. Do not be anxious, even when it comes to your body, even when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your children, when it comes to anything. Seek the Lord while he can be found and say, God, I want my choices to line up with your choice. Though I'm on a difficult road. I know I'm on the right road. 
And I want to hear from you. Do not be so quick to do something because you think it's going to make you look good because it's going to make you feel good. Do not do what the world is doing. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. How can people see God's glory if you look into the world to try to fix it? You are in the world, but not of the world. When you look to the world to fix it, you are becoming a servant to the world and not a servant, a son of God. Amen. So let's make the right choices. Let's ask God, what would you have me to do? This is why this ministry say, give from the heart. The devil is even mad with that statement. The reason why he's mad with that statement, because he don't want you to give. And when people hear give, or is it given into us, or if it's given into this ministry, people get mad. Their flesh is trembling because they're thinking, why are you making Apostle Amanda out of a God? It's about the whole body, not just her. It was never about me. Let's make that clear. It was never about me. It's all about God. How do I know? Because none of y'all have quit your job. And lay down your life for Christ's sake. Okay? So it's never about us. It's all about him. And when you make it about him, the Bible say give. Not out of necessity or grudgingly. We give from the heart in Miracle Temple. And when you give from the heart, the enemy don't even want you to give, period. But we line it up with the word of God. Yes, every joint in this place supplies. But guess what God did? God always gets somebody to lead you. And he get people up under that somebody to build one body. Does he not? He got to have a head because if he ain't got the head, the tail ain't going to do nothing. Hello, somebody. We're not celebrating us. We're celebrating the God that's in us, that have used us, that have brought us this far for how many years? 22 years. That's who we're celebrating. So don't celebrate us. Celebrate the God that have brought us this far. Because it's all about him. And we give him all the glory, all the honor, and all the... Let me tell you something. God will shut something down quick. Was not part of my message. But as I hear, I speak what I hear. Do not let the enemy put you in bondage. Hear the Lord when the Lord is speaking. Amen. And make the right choice. And this teaching was not based on... What you give in to us. This teaching is based on your whole life. On making the right choices with everything that you do. And you cannot do it without the word of God. Quit talking amongst yourself because God is hearing you. He even hear what you saying and even coming out of your mouth. God is hearing it and God will take it back to his son. He will take it back to them and let them know that person ain't, ain't with the body. That person is straying away from the body. The enemy is trying to pluck them out. 
The enemy is trying to take them another direction. They're talking to somebody on the side and that somebody is, is supposed to be counseling them and telling them where they're supposed to be at this time, telling them they're supposed to be preaching, they're supposed to be teaching. It ain't all about her. She got to use somebody else besides her. <laughs> Don't let the devil mess you up. Don't let the devil mess you up. That's a familiar spirit speaking in your ear. Come on, you're you getting tired of sitting down. You want your own ministry, but I advise you to wait on the Lord because you don't know what it takes to carry a ministry. You don't know what it takes to carry a ministry. If you ain't taking care of your own house, you sure can't take care of no ministry. If you ain't giving into places that you need to be giving into when God is telling you to give, come on. If you ain't faithful over worldly riches, how can you be trusted with true riches of God? God ain't going to allow that. Come on, somebody. See, it's, it's more than just coming behind this pulpit, giving a message and want people to exalt you. That's exaltation. It's more than saying, no, that ain't what the word said. This is what the word said. This is how I would have brought it. I'm like Samuel. I hear them sheep bleeding in my ear. I hear them sheep talking. See, God exposes. And he don't let it go on but so long. This has been going on for a while. God is shutting it down today. He's letting whoever know. I hear you. I hear you. Don't think that I'm not going to tell my servant. Don't think that she don't know. Don't think that he don't know. I already know. And I'm just like he told um, Moses. Don't people yours. They down there having a party. This is what they saying Moses. God told Moses exactly what they were saying. Moses didn't have to be there. He was up with the Lord. He was in prayer. As long as I stay before the Lord, I'm going to love you outside of what you say. And this concludes the message of today. Do we have any announcements at this time? Hallelujah. Y'all, God is still good, isn't he? He know what to do and how to do it and when to do it. And to say all what I said, nobody said nothing to me. Wasn't that an inspiring message? Thanks for listening to the end. Join us every Tuesday for Bible study and every Sunday for service. We're looking forward to hearing from you as well. Feel free to reach out to us via the website at www.mtdm.com. God bless you and we'll see you next time.